welcome to the International Association of Business Communicators Amina Region podcast. This is Monique Zidnik. Well, there's nothing like meeting a person and there's nothing like being back in Berlin. And today I bring you a glimpse of our IABC Amina Berlin City Connect, where we had members and guests gather for a spot of after-work networking with fellow communication professionals. The day was warm and sunny, drinks cool and fruit juicy, and everyone was relaxed. Just on a side note, our City Connect series has taken us this year to Amsterdam, Krakow, Lisbon, London, and Barcelona. And I'm secretly voting, or not so secret now, voting for Istanbul for our next one. And at our Berlin City Connect, our new chair, Catalina Gardescu hosted a live panel discussion with Phil Riggins, Steph Pion, and myself. Our topic was Bold New Frontiers for Communications or Digital Hype. We brought together perspectives from brand and reputation, product marketing, and internal communications. And I think this is the beauty where you actually combine different perspectives from different areas of communications together to see a bigger, more holistic view on the topic. And in today's episode, we bring you our discussion as well as introduce you to some of our communication professionals who were there. You'll get to meet Gotek, Yanina, David, Melanie, and others, including hopefully Michael, our podcast editor. And this is the first time that I got to meet Michael in person after coming back to Berlin from Australia. So it was an absolute delight. This is a live recording, so the audio isn't as crisp as we'd usually go for. However, I'm sure your enjoyment of the episode will, and the feeling of almost being there will certainly make up for it. Now I bring you our Berlin City Connect event from Thursday, the 7th of July, 2023. I hope you enjoy and I look forward to hearing your feedback. currently serving as the Vice President of Digital Marketing at Adeco. She drives the company's long-term digital marketing strategies. And prior to this role, Steph was the Vice President of Product Marketing at Adeco Group, contributing to the company's growth and expansion for one and a half years. Her exceptional leadership skills and market expertise led to notable achievements in product positioning and go-to-market strategies. Previously, Stephanie played a key role at Adjust, a leading SaaS mobile analytics company, where she started in sales and later became director of product marketing. She led a global team, driving marketing initiatives and contributing to the company's impressive 1.2 billion exit. As a first paid employee at LoopMe, a pioneering mobile ad network, Stephanie's role as a business development manager was vital to the company's early growth, the successful sale of a majority stake for $120 million, further highlighted her contributions. Stephanie's superpower, among the other superpowers, <laughs> lies in her ability to craft competitive marketing campaigns and captivate audiences, as we will see soon. Her curiosity and passion for trying new techniques have established her as an industry innovator. With a background in finance and accounting, complemented by a degree in corporate law, Stephanie brings a well-rounded perspective to her marketing endeavors. She's an avid reader, consistently expanding her knowledge of the ever-evolving marketing landscape by completing a book every 10 days. You're my hero. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. 
We expect. Uh, I'm not writing a book report. <laughs> AI will do that for me. Phil Rains is an insight-led brand and reputation strategist. He founded the Brand and Reputation Collective after more than 25 years helping understand and manage some of the world's most well-known and complicated brands, including Amazon, Coca-Cola, Google, Pfizer, Unilever, and the United States of America. Wow. <laughs> he regularly publishes and speaks about corporate reputation and brand management and is passionate about the importance of active listening to good communications. I think we were just talking about that just a little bit earlier. Prior to creating the VRC, Phil worked at senior levels with the world's leading communications agencies, including okay, the Brunswick Group and Weber Shadwick. Okay. Thank you for being here. Thank you. And I have to admit, I've been trying to finish a um, history of World War II for the last couple of months. Because every time I start reading it at night, I fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, you need better books. It started out pretty good. I don't know how it ends, though. <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for being here with thank us. Thank you for having me. Also very honored to introduce Monique Zitnik, our uh, Vice Chair of the IBC in our region. With decades of experience in communications and specialized in internal communications, Monique is a proven leader who inspires others, strengthens teams, and creates impact on a global scale. She has worked internationally, presented on best practice communication at board conferences, including the IBC Communication Professional Board Conference of 21-22, Institute of Internal Communication Festival 2021. She guest lectured at universities including Leeds Business School, RMIT University, and the American University in Cairo. And had my head communications campaign recognized at the Gartner Awards 2020 finalist, Australia Umbrella Comscon 2019 and 2020 as a finalist in the Digital Communications Award 2021 as a winner. She regularly writes for communication industry publications drawing on in-house and consultancy work with organizations including SBS Radio Australia, the Australian Taxation Office, ANZ Bank, Deutsche Post Intel, GEA Adjust, the Department of Human Services, and Lego Foundation. Her experience in digital communication, internal communication, strategic B2B marketing campaigns, social media, public relations, and issues management is backed by a Master's in Communication, PR, with honors from RMIT University. She's a globally well-networked and focused on giving back to the global communication profession in her own time by mentoring others through the Mentoring Club and role as IABC in our region, this time Vice Chair and Podcast Host. Thank you, Monique, for being here and helping us achieve this. So we're in for a treat, as you can see. And, um, I would like to start with something that I have uh, taken the initiative to call the lightning round. Mm -hmm. So the lightning round is you have a minute to answer this question. Now I don't have the time on, so we're just gonna, very quickly. You hold important portfolios in top companies. In one minute, how do you see the importance of digital communications in the work that you do? We'll start with this. Oh my gosh, no. Uh, no pressure. <laughs> so, Digital communications for me, I mean, I'm a digital marketer and I've always just done digital, so I think it's 100% important, I would say. Um, it's everything we do. Everything that we write has to be online in some way. So I think, for me, digital communications for the company, for everything we do is, is very important. But 
that means there's a lot of work that goes into digital communications. We can't just do things willy-nilly. So I don't know if I'm just supposed to say, yes, it's very important. It's a really important thing. <laughs> you took my answer. <laughs> I, I don't see it another form of communication, I guess I could say. So when I'm talking to a lot of people, with, even within my own organization right now, everything I'm doing revolves around technology and being able to have the right technology to digitally communicate. So there's a lot of um, emphasis on the technology that we use, on how we communicate, and then sort of shifting the mindset of, of maybe some marketers that haven't got there yet. So we're not just printing posters and printing brochures any longer. We're really communicating across many different channels um, on digital. Thank you. Bill? I would just second what you said in terms of it's everything. Everything takes place online. I don't deal with the tools or the channels as much as I deal with the, usually the aftermath of a crisis or people, the human element of it. And um, I think the challenge that we face is how do we prepare people all, that, we, that work with us to be able to, to navigate this environment. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not going away. It's only going to become more intense and more complicated. And if everything you're doing is out there online, you know, you better be ready. <laughs> so from my, from my perspective, digital communication lets us communicate better with our people in the organization, but it needs to be done right. And the thing that worries me is that we're focusing too much on the channels and the technology and this shiny new thing and missing the whole experience part of it and really focusing on curating the experience and making sure that we're actually communicating with people. Um, I'm going to come back to you, Steph. We heard in your bio things that they, they sound absolutely amazing. Mm. And I'm going to say, you know, you have so much experience and, and such innovation in every place where you went. What is behind that? How do you prepare to, to be always on top in terms of digital? To, especially when a, a new hype, as we call it, mm -hmm. kind of gets old within weeks. Mm -hmm. What do you bring to the table to be on top of it? I guess I'd start with the last thing you said, like a new hype gets old in weeks. I don't know if it does. Because I think even with something like ChatGTP, we're already like, so advanced with it, I'm using it, I don't even know how many times a day, I probably shouldn't admit how many times a day I use ChatGTP. Uh, I use it lots today, for example. So I don't think that things necessarily get old, but if I go back to like, where do you start? You always should start, for me anyways, I'm starting with like, who am I talking to? Who is the audience? And really trying to connect that, connect that experience that I'm trying to promote to that audience. So it's really important to understand who you're communicating to, obviously. Well, I'm sitting in a room of communicators right now. You know that. This isn't news. Um, and then thinking about that content strategy and what does that mean. So my experience is really heavily in product marketing. So for that, I was trying to then think, okay, from this like very technical thing, how do I communicate this to the marketers, to the people that are actually going to buy this, to the ideal customer profile? But for me, there was never any hype that got old in communications, if I could say. It's kind of just an evolving beast. It's kind of always something new being added and you have to keep up to date with that. But it's never that something's old. Maybe MySpace is old. <laughs> I don't even know, Black something else old. But SMS, Clubhouse. we still yeah, we still use texting. We still use so many things that you might consider old, but those are communication channels depending on your audience. So it's, I think it's really important to know who you're trying to communicate to and then tailor that to them. So it can become very complicated very quickly. Um, but this is the starting point, I would say. I was, I'm obsessed with personas. I'm obsessed with really, really digging in and doing all the research to create great profiles 
to then create that content around that experience for those people. So I feel like there's another part, and I, I'm really happy to hear you go to one of the classics, mm -hmm. which is know your audience. Yeah. But then you also have to know the tools, Yes. right? And because you've gone through so many different types of companies or mm -hmm. iterations of companies, how do you know the tools to know how to fit them with the right audience? I think for me it's trial and error. There's a lot of trial and error and experimentation. Uh, one of the things we just came up with in our company, new SOMI guidelines, and one of the number one things I was saying across every channel is be bold to experiment. Do it within a frame. You cannot just do crazy experimentation, right? We're a corporate, but you should have the ability and the power to experiment to know what's working for your audience. Because I think when things become too homogenous, you ignore it, especially in a digital world. We're scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. So we need to experiment to try and capture attention. And the tools, I mean, you can, there's lots of different tools, but I'm thinking mainly about channels right now. Like, where does that audience live? What is the age bracket? What is the type of content that works on these different channels? But the tools change and they adapt. And sometimes you don't really need the tools, let's call it, like underlying yeah, technology. Just you just need really good content. And then that content can be like sliced and diced in a million different ways. Thank you. We're going to come to you, Ronnie, with, with a question that I think leads well to the content piece. So um, you have an extensive experience in shaping internal communications, not only in the companies that you've worked for, but also through the presentations, your presence in social media. Can you talk to us a little bit about ways in which digital communications is part of internal comms? What are some best practices? What are some challenges that, that you see in creating Digital content for so I see the same as Steph that as communication professionals we should be experimenting and playing with the tools and know our audience but when it comes to our audience they don't need the experimentation they need um, a good channel strategy they need to know what each of the tools are for and then the tools need to have a purpose there you can't just let them play, give them a bad experience at the start. So Steph and I used to work at Adjust, which was a SaaS product company, and we had developers, and it was very much a bucket ship it kind of mentality. That does not work in internal comms, I'm sorry, because you've got one chance to get your people and your staff on board using the tools in the right way. And if you give them that first experience is a bad experience, like the single sign-on doesn't work or they have to, I don't know, it glitches and crashes, then you've lost them. So it's a kind of an after effect, like you've got the Steph experimenting and kind of the new adopters and internal comms is, is really focusing on communicating effectively in a frictionless way, I think it's the best way to put it. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really hard because you need to be best friends with the IT people and the HR people and Chris and I were at, at a conference on Monday and Tuesday and one of the key things that kept on coming through was that we need to be working together more in internal comms with the IT and the HR people, which was a little bit sad because the conference was in an IT stream and the on the stream, so it's actually separate. <laughs> but um, I'm not sure if you noticed, Chris. Yeah, it was like, um, but that's sort of yeah, that's where I'm coming from. And I think the biggest challenge in internal comms that we we have right now is an inequality of technology, and that's because 
Last year, I had one of my clients send a document back to me because she didn't know how to accept the track changes no. in the Word no. document. I am serious. <laughs> so you've got people there, we've done internal comms audits with companies and you talk to the head of a factory, they've got sales teams, they've got, you know, staff on the road, they've got, you know, digital products and they're like, oh yeah, we've got teams, um, we use it for video calls and then we email people PDFs and we have this separate shared drive where we store our documents and it's completely lacking that ex consistent, seamless, frictionless experience. Yeah. We've got a long way to go. Yeah. Especially. Well, I, I really like to this to this idea of the different types of generations that you have to serve. Uh, but for the moment, I want to stop at the idea of knowing your audience and kind of paying attention to the content that you put out there. So Paul, I remind my teenage son all the time that whatever he puts on the internet about himself or about everything uh, will be gone forever. Will be out there forever, he doesn't get it, he still does it, whatever. I presume this also is, is true for companies, and um, what I know about reputation is that it's something that you do in ages, and you, just, you can destroy it in a few seconds because it's trust, basically. What can, we'd love to hear from you, and maybe you can also offer us some examples, some case studies. What does a company need to know about the connection between reputation and the digital That's a good question. The, um... I think you have to keep in mind that there's, when it comes to digital communications externally, I mean, you've got obviously your website, you've got Twitter, you've got Instagram, all kinds of things, but it seems like most of the disasters seem to happen on Twitter for companies and for a variety of reasons. But there's a fine line between controversy and catastrophe in that some brands are always trying to create, generate attention. You know, you want to drive people towards you and so you're doing things and sometimes it's controversial and sometimes it's really in your face and that can be good even if it's bad because you just develop mind share you know you get people to talk about you to think about you and when they're in a position to make a decision that affects purchase or whatever you come to mind and so you see that all the time and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and I think a very good example of um, when it didn't work very well which goes back to know your audience is with um, Bud Light in the US. I mean, that's a classic example of not really knowing your audience and kind of blowing up your brand. You know, and I don't know if everybody's familiar with the story, uh, but it was Dylan Mulvaney, who is a transgender person in the US, was, did a, just one tweet. They did a small campaign, marketing campaign around her celebrating her 100th day as a, her first year as a woman. And the, the vast majority of people who buy Bud Light are, you know, guys in the, in the U.S. who, have, that's totally not in their, you know, in their frame of reference or wheelhouse. And um, it just completely caused all kinds of problems for them that continue. And you have to make choices as a brand. And you can make them for a variety of different reasons. But ultimately, you, you want to be successful in a variety of different ways. You need to be successful financially, first and foremost. The other comparator to that, I think, is a very new one, which is Ben and Jerry's last week coming out and saying on the fourth this week saying on the fourth of July, you know, we need to get back all the, the land that we took from the indigenous people back to them, and they got attacked on Twitter for doing that. You know, how can you say this? It's really bad. The difference, I think, between those two brands is again knowing your audience. Ben and Jerry's 
is a protest brand. You know, in many ways, people are familiar with them taking stands on controversial issues, where with Bud Light, it's like, no way. You know, that was completely 100 degrees in the wrong direction. And for any brand, you need to know what you, who you are. You know, what, what do we do? What are we all about? And that means being in a line with your consumers, your stakeholders, and through listening. You know, and I don't think that Bud Light really listened before they jumped. So, so. are you saying any attention is good? Um, it can be, it, but there's a limit, you know. And I think, in this case, Bud Light went, over, went too far for, for their brand. Disney does it, courts it very well. United Airlines, other airlines, lots of brands take stances on controversial issues. And the reality is the people that are coming to work for us and to buy our products, the next generations, that's important to them that brands stand up and speak out on the issues that matter to them. So that's a very big ask of you as brand people and communications people, which ones are we going to own and which ones are we going to talk about? It takes a lot of work and it's not easy and you have to be you know, careful and maybe test the water a little bit before you, you jump into the deep end of the pool. And let's see what happens with Bud Light. I mean, they're still like really, really suffering. And Coors Light was one of the big beneficiaries as well as a couple other brands. So you, you just really need to listen. This may be a very old generation kind of question, but it's my second lightning round question. Is social media dead? No, what do you think? And is it partly dead? Or what do we still use and why? What, what's your opinion on that? It's not dead. It's evolving all the time. I mean, you saw like Mark Zuckerberg this week launching his new app to kind of displace Twitter. I can't even remember the name of it. They are like 10 million thread, and they have like 10 million people. Thread? Thread. I don't think he understands why people are on Twitter. I think like people are on Twitter to like, to be able to anonymously say whatever they want, you know. Scream into the wind. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Where thread is like supposed to be a fun, happy place where we're all just getting along. But I don't think social media is dead at all. Thank you, yeah, concur. It is absolutely not dead. What I think is happening is the new things keep coming and then audience shift. Okay. So like, I think you can tell the age you are by what platform you're on. I'm still on Instagram. I don't have TikTok because I'm not young. Facebook enough. dead? Facebook, I still have for Messenger to talk to my family in some instances. I'm on Signal for some people, WhatsApp for others. So there's just a million different... Yeah, Signal is very good, by the way. Um, Where are 16 year olds? Uh, TikTok, and I found out actually that there's a lot of people on Pinterest. And WhatsApp, they actually use yesterday, WhatsApp. Yeah, 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 they do. Yeah, yesterday I was at a, a Google Cloud event, and I was with somebody who's the CEO of a massive liquor company, and he was like, "Yeah, we're targeting young people on Pinterest." <laughs> I was like, oh, "Dear Lord, I didn't know people were on Pinterest still." Okay, that shows my age that I'm just like already out of it and going to something else. So. I don't think it's dead. I just think it's evolving, and we need to find where the right audience is. That's fascinating. Yeah, but from my perspective, um, social media is the new media, so I'm talking to a lot of people who are, they influencer managers in their comms roles, and their job is to manage the influencers for their brand, and they're switching, or they're telling me they're switching a lot from a contract-type role where they say how many posts needs to be done and they pay them the money to a more exclusive content type media relations approach. You know, ex the influencer gets exclusive access to their talent first and that kind of thing. So I think evolving is the right word. Yeah. Yeah.
and to micro influencing. So you used to only go to like massive influencers, yeah. and now there's like micro influencers. You might have a hundred followers, but they're the followers you want. So it's really you have to have like a book of people that you're going to. And I think there's whole agencies now that are running this, and it's just it is massively evolving. But what are they actually doing though? <laughs> <laughs> That's their life. What is it now? It's just my kids' sons. Yeah. My kids' sons are on like Minecraft and stuff, and they're oh, filming themselves yeah. gaming. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. There's yeah. Twitch even as a channel. We didn't even yeah, mention my, that as a channel. Yeah, that's Twitch, legit. That's huge. My yeah. daughter has a is a Twitcher, and, and she is does gaming on like she has a Twitch account where she posts content from doing. She does like violent video games. Like um, I forget good what it's her. called. Yeah, she's really good at it too, which is a bit scary yeah, as her I'm father. Yeah, I'm scared by the minute here. <laughs> but it, they, that's where they live, they live online. And I was like, for someone my age, thinking about virtual reality is like, no way, I couldn't be bothered. But they're like, hmm, you know, because that just takes them further into the, that world. That Without they're, leaving the I mean, apartment. We're experimenting yeah. even on advertising in games. And I mean like video console games, not mobile games, because that's another kind of advertising, but like you're in the experience and you happen upon an Adeco branch or something like that. Are so you talking about the metaverse now? Not really, no, games, like actual like PlayStation games, basically. Yeah. Because I've heard something about... You know, but we're also talking where, about that. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. where things are going to happen. And, okay, since we've gone too far for me to actually comprehend these things, so here I am, you know, I'm a communicator, I'm in my late 40s, I'm trying to catch up. I'm trying really hard, especially since I'm in educational marketing. And so I work with these kids who are way ahead of me. Where do I even start to prepare myself? Like, give us some, some tips, you know, and we come from, let's say, two worlds because mm -hmm. everything's shifted so quickly. Where do we go first? What are some basic things that we need to know in terms of digital marketing that, okay, you need to nail this and then you grow from there? Very important. Like basic digital yes. marketing, or where do you yeah. go first to understand what's where, is today. where you should go today? Where I should go today, yeah. yeah. I mean, for that, you should hang out with young people, really. Mm -hmm. I, I had an ice cream outside an ice cream shop near in my Keats, and there was like a 13-year-old kid who showed me the latest places to stream, for example. So I think if you want to know the latest, coolest stuff, just be friends with young people because I they'll show you. I think that's a very important point you're making because what you're saying, if I hear you correctly, is don't be judgmental, be curious. Yeah, absolutely. Be endlessly curious. I, I mean, personally, I nerd out a few times a week right now on AI. Like, I'm just very curious about it. I'm reading about it all the time. It's changing at the end of the sentence. There'll be something new. You know what I mean? So it's just, you have to be curious if you want to keep up to date with what's going on out there. Because if you don't, you will be left behind. And it's the same for digital marketing. It's constantly evolving. The way we measure things, the new tactics, like all of this is evolving. Your KPIs evolve. The technology you use evolves. So it is a learning. You should constantly be challenging yourself to learn and it doesn't need to be in a course it's not the way it's really just nerding out online I, I go on reddit for example and then read like ChatGTP subreddit it's kind of anywhere you want to go google has great programs as well for digital marketing so there's just a number of places that you can go to to educate yourself but start with young people I would say. That's absolutely <laughs> thank you for, for saying that so staying with this idea of the different ages monica i wanted to come back to you and, and going to that point that you made earlier. So, you know, how do you shape your strategy of digital internal communications when you have, I mean, nowadays, you have millennials and Gen, Gen Zs and Gen Alpha, I hear they're called, working in the South companies. Alpha, yeah. Alpha, which is the alpha. 
really, right? Learning by the So how do you communicate the same message to so many different I think uh, I think, again, you've got to know your audience and who's in your company. So a friend of mine works for a disruptive app company in the fashion industry and they have a lot of younger people who work with them and so they have their internal comms would need to be targeted at that younger audience. Other organisations I worked with the Australian government last year and there are people who have been working there for... 20, 30 years and they're sort of a little bit older and they have their EAs print out their PDFs from the PowerPoints that someone's going to present to them and they sit there and they flip through the pages and peer into the screen. So, again, it's... Just see. <laughs> but you, you're not looking at your computer at the same time. So... I think you've just got to, and then there are restrictions on how you can reach them sometimes. So sometimes you can only slice and dice certain ways. It sounds very, very It's a very fun. generalist kind of, it depends, is the answer. Thank you. Might I add something to that as well? Of course. And I, I think with all the comms, we also need to be cautious. So I go out yesterday, again, at this Google event, I was sitting in the bathroom and they had this, like, learning in the bathroom, which I thought was quite cute to be reading while going in the bathroom. This is a podcast. I can't believe I just said that on a, on a potential podcast. But anyhow, it, in the bathroom, they were talking about, like, put your D&D on and, like, training people on, like, having space to not be communicated to as well. And I think that that is a really important thing that we need to be cautious of these days is over-communicating, especially on the internal stuff of getting a million emails every day from people or what do I need to be updated on. So... I think this is another key point, especially for the younger audience, where they're like, oh, stop it, I don't want to hear this anymore, I'm turning off my computer, I'm leaving. I think that's our main role right now as internal communicators is to streamline the actual message and experience for the staff members, and I can see a lot of nods in the room, because, and it's working with our, I think half of it is the stakeholder management with our internal clients, saying, no, we don't need an article on this, this and this, how about we just kind of streamline it into one article and make give people the bigger picture rather than too many bits of competing information so reduce the brain overload yeah and simplify everything because we complicate it we have a tendency as people to complicate things yeah well that's probably because we feel like explaining ourselves so much and i'm going to come back to you with that because i want to ask you i know that this two stories you told us are just a, a very very small bit of, of what you've seen and apart from listening Thank you for putting that on the table and knowing your audience. What are some of the things that if you go into a company that you need to, I know this doesn't happen, but let's say they tell you, okay, we just want top tips about our behavior online. What would those be that you would give them? Um, I always kind of start from a place of what are you trying to do here? So I have five questions that guide everything that I do when I'm giving advice. One is like, what matters to you? You know, what is it you're trying to do with this communications exercise? And then what are you trying to achieve? So how does it build into the strategy, your purpose, whatever? And then like who matters to be able to deliver that, to do that? So then that helps you identify which audiences you need to engage with, communicate to, what kind of content you might need. And then because what I do is a lot of listening, I'm a big fan of listening to the people that matter to you to understand what are their concerns and expectations before you try to shove something down their throat. So you know what matters to you, who matters to you, what matters to them. 
you know, and for internal audiences, we always assume that they just want to be brand ambassadors or something, you know, that they don't have lives outside of work. And most of the time they could, couldn't care less, you know, and so it's like, so what's going on in their lives beyond what we're trying to get them to do that matters to them? And using that information to kind of tailor the content so that it's more relevant to them. So the fourth question is like, what's the gap between what we're trying to do and where they are? You know, it's like if employees, for example, don't want to be brand ambassadors, they want to do X. Well, so is there some way we can increase the overlap between what we're trying to do and what they want to do so that we can get more engagement? And then the, the last step is just like closing that gap. So how do we build alignment between this objective that we have, getting them to support the strategies, maybe talking positively with their family and friends, how do we do that? You know, and so that all just comes about through listening. Mm -hmm. And your question goes, I don't know that I answered the question. <laughs> I kind of answered a different question. But the, the, um, the idea of like, well, what kinds of tips would you use for using social media? Just remember that the people in your organization are people, you know, and that we have this drive these days about transparency and letting people do whatever they want and bringing their whole selves to work. At some point, you need to kind of like draw a circle around that and lay down some guidelines mm -hmm. and there needs to be some policies but I think even more important than the policies is the kind of culture that you build so that people understand that's not us we would never say like if I'm going to send an email or a tweet that's going to live forever I would shouldn't say that because that's not really in alignment with who we are as an organization mm -hmm. and so the more you can kind of build a culture where people understand this is who we are these are our values and this is our purpose here the less likely you're to have a crisis or you know, the more likely people are to do the right thing. The advice I have is just to be purposeful with content. I think I've sat in content and comms teams and PR teams where in the beginning you're just stressed out and you're trying to create as much as you can and push as much as you can out there. But I think if you have like a very good strategy, that content, that one piece of content that took you a few weeks to do can turn into hundreds of pieces of content. You just have to be very smart with it. So instead of just sending your team off to write lots of stuff, <laughs> and post lots of things, just be purposeful, understand what you're trying to achieve with the content, and be open to partnerships, that would be another big piece of advice, because I think that that works really, really well from a marketing point of view, is partnering with other brands, partnering with other companies, and it really helps with the content creation, because it takes off the stress of you having to do all the work, um, and you usually split a budget as well. So um, that would be my advice, and I think the, the bad stuff I've seen is when we do too much, and it doesn't make sense anymore, and I'm currently sitting in a situation where I'm seeing, I don't even, I, I can't even say, like tens of thousands of pieces of content that are very similar to one another, and it just doesn't make sense. So be purposeful, know why you're doing it, and what audience, again, we go back to that audience, why we're writing it for this audience. And have a stand on something, have something to say when you do it, and I think that's what I mean by the, the purposeful part. That's very, very important. Don't be afraid to have an opinion. Totally agree with that. And to add, I would say, um, I, so I come from like a, originally a, like a political polling background in the U.S., helping people get elected, helping get issues through Congress. And the one thing that I took away from that and used in the corporate world was that you have to know a couple things really well. You have to know what does winning look like to you, you know. And then you have to understand like what do you need to do to be able to get people to, to vote for you, you know, whatever that looks like. And so that requires listening to yourself and to those people that you're trying to get them to do something. And it sounds simple and, you know, yeah, sure, why wouldn't you do that? But the reality is most organizations don't do it in a very structured way. And the result is when that's when you have problems. You have disconnects between how you see something and how your audience sees it. 
And it can be very, very bad for you, as we talked about earlier. And so, you know, it's not like you're going to meet all the expectations and concerns of your employees or your customers, but you should sure as heck know what they are before you start developing content to meet the ones that you want to meet, you know. And so the social media tools, or the, all the social media stuff to me, that's like, that's taking it to market where, you know, I'm upstream like thinking about what is it we're going to say and I can't tell you how many times I've, I've worked with professional communicators who were like, well, you know, this is the message. And this is the message we're going to run with. And so I'm like, well, let's just do some focus groups with the target audience first. And you go and you do the focus groups, and they just shred the messages and destroy them. And what comes out of listening is like little hints of things that might actually work. And then we go back and we come up with a set of messages that actually influence people to vote for you, you know, whatever, to be a brand ambassador or to work for you or whatever. But just listen. That's such good advice. Yeah. I have to say, when I, when I was doing the product marketing, we, I sat on like five or ten sales calls a week. And this definitely impacted the messaging. It's definitely like you hear, you start speaking the same language, you're yeah. swimming in the same water, yeah. and then whatever you're writing, it resonates with them so much more. So I, I exactly. really, it works. I endorse it works. that. I endorse that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, adding on to the excellent advice, I would say be deliberate. At the moment, there's just so much content, so much stuff out there, being deliberate, that goes with purposeful, and love what you do. Mm. If you don't love the comms and the excitement about being strategic, go and do a HR job, try something else. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, we're, in, we're in a tough time at the moment. There's more content, there's more demand on our skills. Everybody thinks they can do comms, but they can't. And we're being pushed more and more, faster, more, faster, more, more technology. Mm -hmm. And thank you for love what you do. Hi, Melanie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Could you introduce yourself, just your full name and what interests you the most about communications? Hi, Monique. Uh, my name is Melanie Geiben. Um, and what really interests me about communications, especially internal communications, why? Because I think there's a full potential to get all the employees engaged for the whole purpose of the whole company. And it's a big thing for me. And yeah. What inspired you the most today about our conversation? The enthusiasm of each of the like three of you, because each one stands for a single thing, but then it all goes together, and um, it was a, yeah the enthusiasm of all for the whole thing. It's not just internal comms; it, the whole communication or the yeah the whole discussion was about all the holistic communication and digital communication thing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Monique, for inviting. Hello, Monique. Thank you very much. I'm Göktürk Demirel. I'm from Turkey and I'm a communication professional for over 19 years. Currently, I'm working for Energisa, uh, which is the leading power distribution company of Turkey. And I'm responsible for all communication activities in Energisa. 
And what's your favourite part of communications in your role? Uh, my favourite part is uh, marketing communication, especially the digital communication part. And uh, I am very happy to see the outcomes of a product when I make the marketing and digital communications. And it's very motivating for me to see the outcome. And you're all the way here in Berlin today with us, yes. all the way from Turkey. What were your key takeaways or what did you find the most interesting about our discussion on digital marketing? It was a privilege for me to join the CityConnect event and the conversation. So evolving of the social media and positioning our companies within this era is my main takeaway that we should be curious always and the curiosity will keep us alive and will make us survey in the digital communications part. So it was my takeaway from this session. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. So could you introduce yourself and share with us what kind of communications you enjoy doing? Yeah, sure. I'm Janina and working for 15 years, last 15 years in most of all marketing uh, stuff. So doing mainly brand marketing, but also online, offline, digital marketing, everything. And what were your key takeaways from today? I think the key takeaway was really focusing on the basics again. So knowing to whom you are communicating and what is the main thing you want to communicate and focusing on this and choosing the right channel for the right person you want to talk to. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm uh, David Phillips. I'm a, I do communications and content for a Blockchain Foundation here in Berlin. Uh, this is my first time in an IABC event. I really, really enjoyed it. It was a kind of a pretty high-level discussion about digital comms and marketing. And I really enjoyed the... Oh, I really took away the message about knowing your audience. That's a big topic, uh, I guess, for anyone, for any uh, field but particularly anyone working in technology where there's a kind of this mix of passionate fans, developers, builders, it really pays to invest in whatever tools that are your disposable and within your budget to get a kind of feedback loop with different groups. And uh, there were some pretty funny anecdotes, uh, which I'm not going to repeat uh, here, but um, just to see from this kind of high-level panel about the kind of blood, sweat and tears that goes into listening, getting feedback, having uh, ripping up your pre-prepared messages and starting all over again. Uh, so that was a big takeaway for me. And David, you've got quite an interesting audience to work with. Yes, I would say it's a mix of tech developers, builders in the kind of um, decentralized finance blockchain space, kind of crypto enthusiasts, European regulators, kind of uh, industry leaders. It's a mixed bag and um, that makes the job interesting. And have you got any specific tips or anything that you've learnt about those audiences? Oh, I feel every day I'm learning something new. That's kind of a work in progress for me and I just repeat what, what I've just said, the value of listening and that can be scary. But um, And also something that's important to know, there's such a thing as too much communication and knowing when to communicate, what to say and what to, when not to um, say anything is valuable. Thank you so much, David. Thank you. So yeah, that's me. I'm Michael. Hi. I'm a content creator, a podcast producer also of this podcast you are listening to right now. And otherwise working for companies, but also NGOs, foundations, 
And what I take away is Steph's statement. Um, stay endlessly curious. What a great phrase. She said that looking at platforms and networks we use to get our message out. And for me, it's something like we need to choose so wisely which platforms we use. Social media is a new media, as Monique said, and social media is something that's constantly involving and changing. So let's never stop be curious. In other words, knowing where our audience is makes sure we don't send our message to the web or even to the world for nothing. How cool is this? What a great thought. What a nice phrase. Thank you for this. Thank you so much for joining us and meeting some of our Amina Region communication professionals. Please reach out to us on LinkedIn or go to our website, iabcemena.com for more information on how you can join our community. See you next time.